We're very excited about today's show, but before we begin, we have Jesse Ledoux with our product feature of the week. Jesse, tell us what you got for us. So this product is a must for truly every pageant girl of any age, any system. It is the Smart Solutions Pageant Perfect Style Set, and this is your hair care must. Hair care. Okay, so are we talking more shampoos, conditioners, or are we talking gels, hairspray? So to give a little bit of background, the founder of Smart Solutions, um, his name is Dennis Bernard. I don't know if that matters to anyone, but he did the hair for Miss New Jersey in 1981, where she won second runner-up, or he, his contestant was second runner-up. So he saw the need for pageant-specific hair care, and he created this pageant-perfect set. So it's naturally made with plant extracts, paraben-free, sulfate-free, cruelty-free, made in the USA, recyclable. I mean, all of the feel-good things. And it comes in a bundle. So it's not just one part. So it's got shampoo, conditioner, straight and curl serum, flexible, firm hairsprays. Like, truly, it runs the gamut. Okay, so this is pretty much everything that you need to have healthy hair throughout your reign. Exactly. And a lot of those things I called out earlier, paraben-free, sulfate-free, those are a lot of the ingredients in drugstore, over-the-counter hair care products. And what they do is they, um, like when you use like an an over-the-counter shampoo, they have a lot of ingredients that give you false security in your hair that makes it temporarily look shiny or healthy. But what it's really doing, it's coating your hair with uh, and I'm not a hair specialist at all. I'm going about what my hairstylist told me. So this is all hearsay, but I'm pretty, I feel pretty good about it. Um, it's kind of false security. And then what it does is like all that wax builds up on your hair and it dries out your hair follicles. So it actually does the reverse. So when we say paraben free and sulfate free, all of the ingredients are meant to control the health or em- embrace the health of your hair, longevity, sustainability, all of that stuff. That's great. And I mean, when you have better looking hair, you just feel better about yourself. I'm assuming it styles better. I mean, I've not had to walk around with luscious locks, but I'm assuming that it does style better and that um, just overall gives you a better um, appearance, right? Oh, completely. And like, so the serum, it makes your hair silkier and smoother. And then of course, like the hairspray that you'll get will be able to like manage any additional flyaways or dryness that you have from split ends, et cetera. Got it. Okay. So where can they find it and and how much does it cost? And do you have any special deals for us? I do have a special deal. I just knew you'd ask. (laughs) You can find it. They actually have a pretty great website. It's smartsolutionshaircare.com. And if any of your orders are over $50, you get um, free shipping, which is amazing. Um, So this whole packet, it's an amazing deal. And right now we have 30% off this Pageant Perfect style set. And it's all five of those products that we said, shampoo, conditioner, serum, flexible and firm hairsprays. Um, and you can get that for 30% off on their website, smartsolutionshaircare.com with the code crown30. Thanks, Jesse. Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode. Today, Jesse and myself We're going to discuss top regrets in pageantry, and we kind of took a different spin on this. We went to social media and pulled out stories. So, Jesse, I'll let you give the backdrop on that and kind of set the stage for us on today's topic. 
Yeah, so today's topic is actually what I would consider a controversial question in a very tame sense. And the question is, can you live a life with no regrets? That's what I was thinking about when we came up with this week's topic. And I am the first person to say, and Stephen, of anyone, you know that I believe this, that everything happens for a reason and all the pieces of life kind of fall together the way they should. Um, like, don't I say that all the time? Yeah, absolutely. So like that said, like, I personally believe that, I, I personally don't believe that anyone can live a life with absolutely no regrets. And like things may work out, but it still may not mean it was the right decision all of the time. So Stephen, do you agree or disagree that it's possible to live a life with no regrets? So I, I agree that it's not possible <laughs> to live without any regrets. However, I do believe that you can make peace with the missed opportunities that you did have. Um, my one of my favorite verses in the Bible is that God causes everything to work out for the good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And so I always fall back on that, like, okay, whether it was an opportunity that I feel like I should have capitalized on in whatever situation, um, or if it's this opportunity that I feel like I should have passed on, which could have saved me a lot of heartache and gray hairs. Um, I have to believe just for my own mental sanity that God causes everything to work out for my good. And I totally agree with that. I think that is so, so important is to just be able to, like, you can have these regrets. You can't have these, oh my gosh, why did I do this moment? But as long as you don't dwell on them, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Or like, because now, I mean, I'm saying that, but there are certain things in my life that when it pops up, I'm like, ah, I wish I would have. X. I mean, to bring it home, I remember there was a particular phone call. I just delayed in clicking over to answer. And it was a call to be a stand-in um, actor for, gosh, I don't even remember what movie it was. But it was like Sandra Bullock was in it. And there was a particular actor who was like a B-list celebrity at the time. But it was like, oh, if I just would have clicked over. And by the time I called back like five minutes later, like they had already given that away. Right. Oh, so I was like, oh, it would have been such a cool experience. Right. Um, oh yeah. So it, like when I think about things like that, it's like, oh, I missed out like FOMO now. Yeah, but um, so I don't think it's possible because you are human and it's just I mean, outside of Christ, like you're just not able to live a perfect life. Yes. And like the whole premise of this. So just to give some perspective for those that are listening, um, I was listening to a, like a wedding planning podcast this past week and the host asked former brides, AKA not married. So they're not former because they didn't get married or whatever. They got married and now they are imparting their wisdom of their regrets uh, to help those brides planning. So it's me um, to heed their advice. And I thought like I could sit down and write my list of regrets but that doesn't mean it really runs the gamut for all pageant contestants and a pageant spin on it. So we wanted to, like Steven said, turn a new spin on today's podcast. And we took some feedback and we were going to bless you today with some knowledge to make it a little bit something different. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, uh, for those of you that didn't know, um, if you haven't been listening a long time, Jesse works really hard to put these outlines together. And then she shares these outlines with me of what she's thinking and feeling based on um, the girls that she's coaching and the interaction that she has with a lot of the contestants on the day and day and basis. And taking this thing to social media, it helps bring life to our viewerships, which what we love. I mean, we personally would like to sit down with each and every one of you, hear your story, see what you're doing in the industry, 
because like that's you are the ones that are changing the world around us and we couldn't be doing this if it wasn't like for you listening to us so very grateful and we want to incorporate you as much as possible so check out our instagram at pageant planet for the next topic of next week and it'll probably be released somewhere around like uh, i'm gonna guess thursday or friday jesse sure so yeah we'll, okay um Okay. Yeah. Side tangent. All right. Where are we? I feel like okay. I, I took a bunny trail. <clears throat> no, no problem at all. So I wanted to ask you, Stephen, about this. Like, has a mentor of yours ever been willing to share like a past regret with you that helped you potentially swerve and avoid the same misstep? Well, the, the one that comes to mind, and I call him Campbellisms because his last name was Campbell, his first name was Jeff, and we'd have lunch. Um, he was a very wealthy man. Um, he had a lot of real estate, more than the actual government that it was in our city. Like he had more square footage than them. Wow. Um, and he just took a liking to me. And he had, he shared this one time, um, and it was a regret, but he also like really quickly showed me how he handled his regret, which was, um, uh, it was a principle for me. So anyways, his regret was somebody came to him with the idea of storage units before they ever really started. And he was like, Hey, this, this could be a thing. You buy these sheds and then people rent these sheds for like 30 to 50, $60 a month to put their junk in. And Jeff was like, why would anyone spend money to put more junk in that they can't even fit into their house. And the guy's like, this is going to be huge. So he's like, I'll pass. Mm -hmm. And then of course they're everywhere. And it's like a great money making investment. Um, if you can buy storage units because they're always packed, people mm -hmm. always pay. And if they don't pay, you just, you know, storage units and like storage wars, like that show, you just auction them off. And, and that's well, that. Oh, um, and then the next person, and they all have waiting lists. But anyway, so he said, but, my mind couldn't wrap my head around it. And he said, you only know at the time what you know, right? And that, so he's like, and that's just how I deal with it. He's like, you, you can't look back. He said, because whenever you look back, you, you start to, you go backwards. So he said, you just got to focus on like the knowledge that you have now is all the knowledge that you have. And you just got to make a decision based on your knowledge right here. I love that. I totally agree. It's like, like use these as your guidelines as you prepare for your pageant. But when things like this happen to you, don't feel bad about it. It's a learning experience, something that you will look back on and undoubtedly be stronger for. So you'll hear these, put them to practice as much as you can. But if you have made your own missteps outside of these or down the road you do, like life goes on. Yeah, and it's it's really important, especially the older I get, the more I try to have grace on myself or not try it, the more I have grace on myself because it's like, you don't know. Like <laughs> the reason why you made a mistake is that you really didn't know. So like just totally owning up to the fact that it's like, Oh wow, I didn't know that now I do. And I won't make that mistake again. So this pod, this uh, podcast is episode we're going to walk through um, some of the past regrets other people have had, and we'll break that down. So hopefully they'll come to your remembrance if that opportunity happens for you to kind of miss out on or do something. And you're like, oh, I remember so-and-so that was a regret, and I'll course correct. So let's get into it. Cool. All right. What's the first, um, what's the first viewer? What did she say was one of her past regrets? Yeah, so this is from Allie. We got this from Instagram. Allie said... 
I regret waiting until I was ready to compete. I competed and then held off for a few seasons because I thought I wasn't up to par with other girls. I now realize that regardless of whether I won the crown or not, I really could have used those seasons to grow. Mm. Okay, so what what's your take on this? So this is a tragedy to me. And, you know, people often really give gripe to women who come back year after year. Um, but I personally love those transformation stories. Like they think it's like, oh my gosh, she's a crown chaser or oh my gosh, like give it a rest. It's never going to happen. And like, I hate that kind of conversation. And I think about stories like Crystal Stewart. Chris, do you remember Crystal Stewart, Stephen? She was Miss USA after my favorite Miss USA, Rachel Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Crystal is mm-hmm. One of my other favorites. I shouldn't say that, but Rachel is my forever favorite. But besides the point, so Crystal competed, I want to say like five, six, seven times in Texas before she won. And I think she was like top five, five times or so in Texas. And like, think about if she had either waited. So she waited to like the last couple of years for eligibility. Like she likely never would have won Miss Texas nor Miss USA. But because she did go back year after year, she grew, she got better and better. Um, and then she eventually again won Miss Texas. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why she was ready to be Miss USA is she had that many years of experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, that's the thing about everything that you do in life. You're not going to come out the womb just being an expert. And I do, I am curious why someone calls a girl a crown chaser because she competed in pageantry for 10 years. It's like, who cares? Like you compete in cheerleading for 10 years. You can, you play baseball for 10 years or whatever other um, sport or club that you're involved in. Like why not pageantry? Right. I mean, there's, you've said it time and time again, you are the best version of yourself when you are competing um, because you're just on top of everything from image to mindset. And um, it's a great industry to come back year after year. So, okay. So if girls are experiencing this like Allie and they have like, ugh, I, I, I regret waiting until I was ready to compete to actually compete. What's your solution for them? So I want to just tell them that there is no perfect time. You have to just do it. You either win or you grow, or you win or you you learn. I think that's the more famous statement of those. But at the same time, you you never know when your moment will sneak up on you. And I always use the Teresa Scanlon experience experience um, for this example. And Teresa was 17 when she won Miss America, so it's one of those things where like you never know when the time is right. Don't decide for the judges when you're ready because you and the current state of your life might be the person that they're looking for to represent their pageant. So with that said, don't qualify yourself, allow them to qualify you in the sense of like, is it your time or not? And I say that with a grain of salt because you never want to let a judge really define your life, but it's you and your personal growth. So put yourself out there. It's never going to be the right time if you're waiting for the right time. Awesome. Okay. So what's the regret number two that we, that we gathered from our Instagram page? Okay. This regret came from heaven, which I love this name. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I was like, did the regret come from heaven or did she say that this was her regret? It's like, I don't know. She did say this was her regret, but maybe, maybe this came down. (laughs) You can can do a play with it, play on the name there, but no, it's a great name. Great name. My gosh. Regrets from heaven. Here we go. (laughs) One of my biggest regrets is telling the judge what 
they want to hear. They just don't want the same cookie cutter girl every pa at every pageant. They want a girl who is original and is going to promote their pageant in their own way. It's totally okay to do your research and look at past winners and take from their examples, but you should still be yourself because that is the person they will be counting on to be the pageant's ambassador. So good. Okay. So what's your take on it? So I am here with heaven a hundred percent. This is one of the most common like myths I work to debunk with clients on a daily basis. Like there's no secret formula. And especially today, judges are actually hypersensitive in the opposite direction to someone that is coming across as rehearsed or programmed. Yeah. And it's because that information is more readily available to them, like to judges, et cetera, what other girls are doing all across the board. Um, thanks to social media and platforms like pageant planet. Um, and the thing is like, if you're living in the side in the mind of your judge, I mean, Jesse, you and I, we talk just about every day. Mm -hmm. And even still, if I am like on a judge's panel with you and we're listening to a girl, I don't a hundred percent know how her demeanor is coming across to you, how you're translating her verbiage, how you're translating like what she's wearing. I might have a basis, I uh, kind of a basic idea, you know, because again, we talk every day, but I don't a hundred percent know. And if that's, uh, my take on somebody that I basically communicate with on a daily basis, how much less do you as the contestant know about the judge just because mm -hmm. you read their bio sheet? So sure. the safest bet is just to be authentic to yourself. And I think that we can all attest to the fact that we've all been around probably some pretty weird people. However, if that really weird person is like just being authentically them, you kind of can't help but to like them. Totally like, agree. Like, wow, they are so weird. I mean, one of my closest friends, he was in my wedding party, dear friend, but he is like so weird. And I love him to pieces. But I also acknowledge that he is so weird and quirky. And Renata and I, we always laugh, but it's just who he is. But we just love him. And it's because he's authentically him. So as long as you're being authentically you inside that interview room, it doesn't, um, you know, use Jesse as a buffer here, kind of a guidelines. It doesn't matter what you say, what you wear, as long as you're being in alignment with who you are. Again, that can definitely be taken to extreme and and be made to hurt you. <laughs> However, broad strokes here, principle, if you're true to who you are as a human, then it'll translate well in the interview. I totally agree. And I, I use the phrase in the outline beauty pageants, and I really was worried about it because there really are so few true quote beauty pageants, unquote these days. I mean, the, now pageants are focused so heavily on story and personality that standing out is a good thing. And often pageant patty like that is like a total pageant phrase like a pageant patty which is a over-rehearsed person um those pageant patty responses or habits will work against you because if a pageant's looking for story marketability which is nine times out of ten the case and they're you're coming in doing the same thing ever like you think that they want to hear it's going to totally diminish your chances yeah i'm total side tangent here but true beauty pageants it's probably like Universe, Miss USA. And actually, if you want to go on fringe of like the definition of pageantry, like Miss Hooters or like fitness competitions, like, right? I mean, that's kind of like the friend, very fringe of pageantry. Like, um, like fitness competitions is very similar to pageantry. So 
But outside of those, like any ones that I miss that are just true beauty pageants? I mean, Miss International, the um, the Asian-based yeah. Miss International is heavily beauty pageant. I think Super National is also very beauty pageant-based. Yeah. Okay. But otherwise, I mean, really, there's nothing that doesn't have interview as a huge portion. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Tangent over. All right. What's the, what's the third um, regret that we gathered from social media? And who well, I wanted, to a little, I wanted to leave a little bit of a background solution for that as oh, well. Oh, okay. Got it. No worries. So you have to do like what we always say, develop that brand and focus on the unique aspects of what you bring to the table and sell that to the cows kind of come home. And there are three things. If you're listening, if you're not driving and you're just listening somewhere, I want you to write these three things down. I want you to write down a story that makes you unique. And often that can go back to your platform or why you're there. Um, so that shows your past. I want you to give a skill that makes you unique, whether it's your work experience, your schooling experience, whether you travel, you have languages, something that makes you stand out, that makes you a great title holder in a skill aspect. And the last is that like a fun fact about you that makes you unique. So nothing that really relates to you being a pageant title holder, but something that will spark an interest and they'll remember. So a skill, a story, and a fun fact. So write those three things down and see how you can start to incorporate those in your everyday conversation um, and your pageant interview prep to see if that gives you some more depth. SSF, skill, story, fun fact, or SSFF. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. All right, now what's the third What's the third regret that we gather from social media? So this regret came from Hannah on Facebook, and she said her regret was running, 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 and trying to lose weight for a pageant when I was already thin. I look at pictures of me next to some of the girls that placed, and even some girls who, in her perspective, were slightly overweight by pageant standards, and I, she, I, she, looked the worst out of everyone. I didn't have an eating disorder, but I looked like I may have. Regardless of what it did to my fitness score, it was not the kind of role model I wanted to be. The next pageant I prepped for, I increased my protein and healthy fats, focused on strength training with light cardio and bought them. I don't know what this says. And bought so the meeting wardrobe. my wardrobe. Hmm. Um, I think my weight went up a bit, but I looked more toned and strong. Okay. So um, this is like so real, Steve, and I can't even tell you. And you have done fitness competitions, so you can absolutely relate on many levels of this one. Like just as people say some women are not meant to be a size two, some women are not meant to be more than a size two. So it's difficult, and I, I get this. So women sh shouldn't all feel like they need to prepare the same way for fitness. And like so like someone may say, well, I do an hour and a half of cardio four times a week. Well, that person may need that based on their body type, their metabolism, et cetera, whereas someone like Hannah, who may be naturally thin already, may not benefit from 30 minutes of cardio four times a week because it may be excessively burning her calories instead of building up her muscle. So each of our bodies need different things, and there is no carbon copy solution for how you should prepare. So just be cautious when you're looking into diet programs, fitness programs, et cetera. Yeah. And this is, um, to sum it up, it's overtraining. And that's what Hannah did. She overtrained her body, basically took the reverse effect. And if anybody's ever trained really hard, 
uh, for a long period of time. And then you're kind of on a forced vacation. Like maybe you're just at the beach somewhere and you're not near a gym. Like over that week period, you come back and you're actually stronger and you actually look just as good or even a little better because your muscles Mm -hmm. have had time to rest and recuperate. And resting is equally as important as working out. And that's why it's important. Like, uh, If you look at our interactive directories, there's personal trainers. You can sort those personal trainers by, in essence, who's a dietitian, um, who can like help lay out meal plans, et cetera, for me. So it's always important, especially if you don't come from a family or you've not worked out with trainers in the past, that you work out with someone who can actually give you that game plan. And regardless if your pageant has a swimsuit competition or not, it just makes you feel better as a human. It makes you increase your confidence if you're the best version of yourself. And that doesn't necessarily mean a particular dress size. doesn't mean that. It just means like um, if you're eating the proper food, your body's getting what it needs. I heard this chiropractor say this, little side tangent, but he said the only thing that can heal the body is the body. You just have to give the body what it needs so it can heal itself look at medications and all that other stuff. It just numbs the senses until the body heals it. Um, so anyways, to go back to Hannah, like having that professional in your corner, they can look at you and say, okay, you need to take a break on the, on the cardio and you need to insert some more carbs and you need to eat some more um, proteins. And that's the power. And that's what I did. I, I worked out with a Um, obviously a personal trainer when I did my fitness competition and my personal trainer that I worked with was out of Arizona. I was living in Ohio at a time and it was all virtual and like my results were were pretty tremendous. So um, yeah, I guess that's all I have to say about that. So what do you have as far as solutions for somebody that might be in Hannah's boat that's like training, 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 and they're almost doing it obsessively? So it's very similar to a lot of things you just said, actually. So if your budget is super tight and you don't have the ability to pay someone throughout your entire journey, you can use our directory to search for personal trainers, nutritionists, et cetera, and have a starter session. A lot of them will have an initial consultation package where they talk you through what your challenges are, your existing body type, where you need to go, and they will create kind of a skeleton outline for you to follow, and then it's on you to follow through with it. So at the very least, if you have had either yo-yo dieting challenges or you've looked on stage, you just don't look your best, and it's just not working, this is an investment that is totally worth it. That's great. Okay, so what's regret number four that you gathered from either Instagram or Facebook? So this is from Giselle and it is super cute and it's just a fun little anecdotal one. And Giselle says, during the interview portion of my first pageant with the Miss America organization as a teen, I shook all the judges' hands. I had no idea we weren't supposed to do that. Definitely regret it. Which like I can just totally imagine poor Giselle, like the super bubbly confident teen going in and just giving them a hearty handshake across the table. But um Oh my gosh, it's just like, it's so worth mentioning because props are for being a go-getter and just know, but knowing what the interview style is like, shaking hands is not appropriate for panel interviews and definitely comes like with a lack of knowledge and a lack of research. Yeah, and it's kind of secondhand embarrassment. Like I know when girls shake our hands because they're spending so much time going down the line um, shaking hands of the judges panel. I'm like, ah, this could be an opportunity to really get to know you. And it starts off as a good thing. And I think the contestant realizes it about like the third judge. It's like, Oh, 
okay, this is turning awkward. You know, so it's like the first person's like, oh, yeah, okay. Second person, oh, okay. Third person, this is turning awkward really fast. Totally awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's part of, in this case, Giselle's, um, which another great name, by the way, um, part of her learning curve. And that's something that if you, you don't know until you know. And that's why we want to do these episodes for you weekly. That's why we created the Pageant Planet as a resource so that you can somewhat stay away from these misnomers before they ever happen to you. Um, what is kind of a, a solution? Because I understand the philosophy behind it. You want to connect with the judge, kind of give them a personal experience with you. But what's your experience if it's not to shake hands? Well, for clarification, I am a fan of shaking hands during one-on-one -on -one interviews, like while you're in the process of sitting down. So like you turn around, usually you turn around from being, having your back to the judge, you shake, like you sit down and I usually shake hands and say, hi, I'm Jesse. I think it shows great initiative. And you're not really taking time away from your interview. It's like in the process of something you're already doing. So I am a fan of shaking hands with one-on-one -on -one and it's a more intimate setting, but for panel, like imagine, like you said, how much time you lose. So say you have a five minute panel interview and you shake five judges hands before you get to the podium, you are losing so much time in exchange of get them getting to know you. So it's a rookie mistake, comes with the territory. Um, so the solution is like, pay close attention to your pageant handbook. And at the very least, know the type of interview you will have. So when you're going into the room, you should know, okay, I'm gonna be standing in front of a group of people as a panel, or I'm gonna be sitting one-on-one -on -one with round robin. And the next question is you can ask your director, is it encouraged to shake the judge's hands before interview? And like likely the judge, the director is communicating with the judges. So perhaps you'll get some inside scoop. Like, so if there's one of those little things that you're not sure if you should do or not, reach out to the director. There's no harm saying you can't say, hey, this is my first time in the system. I've done this in past systems. I just want to know what you're looking for as regard to is shaking hands acceptable or not. And they might say, like, you know, I really can't provide an answer to you to be fair to other contestants who haven't asked, but they might answer the question and then you're ahead of the game. Yeah. So don't be afraid to ask is the, the overall solution. Yeah, that's great. And your directors are a resource. I mean, you're given the money to pay to be in like compete in their pageant. So, yeah, leverage them when you can. And if you're already working with a pageant coach, like if you're working with Jesse already or if you're one of our VIP members or working with a coach inside of one of our directories, you can ask them. And more than likely, if they've had any kind of experience with the system, they'll know. Cool. So, okay, what's number five? What's, number what's the fifth regret that you've gathered in the fifth and the last regret that you've gathered from social media? Yeah, this is from Abby. This is a really important one, and I love that she brought this up. It's, I regret not talking to more of the girls. It was my first pageant, and I was super anxious and too scared to form connections with other contestants. A big part of pageantry is making friends with people. I'm a very shy person, but I really wish I would have talked to more people. So this speaks, like, totally to my heart, and it couldn't be more true. And I just want, like, everyone to know, like, don't get caught up in your competition so much that you miss out on opportunities to make lifelong friendships. And Steven, I'm sure you've seen this too. One of my favorite things is seeing a former contestant or queen's wedding photos and her bridal party is either fully made up of pageant girls or it's just like sprinkled with pageant girls. Like you have two choices when you go into a pageant. You can either form your own little girl squad or you isolate yourself. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be over the top with and above and beyond with everyone. It's just like find your tribe and stick with them. Yeah. And that is the experience. That's one of the things that I 
genuinely enjoy about pageantry is that the systems that invite me back to come, Jesse, the systems that invite you, you get to reconnect with your pageant fam and you get to like rekindle those relationships and you get to know people and see girls evolve over the years. Like, Oh my gosh, I remember six or seven years ago when I saw you in Georgia now we're in Vegas or California or wherever um, Mm -hmm. and competing. And it's really, it's, you're missing out on what pageantry is if you're not connecting and the networking is tremendous. I mean, Mm -hmm. it truly is. I mean, I know my first time in France, I got, to be shown around France by Miss France. You know, my my first time in England, it was the same thing. I got to get shown around England by Miss England, like walking around wearing a sash. So it was really cool to have that experience. And now it's like I have friends in both of those places. And for you, if you're competing just in the United States, like, you know, if you're friends with Miss Utah and you're in Utah, it's like, hey, let's meet up. So you have friends all over the country. And that's what the really great part about pageantry is, is the relationships that come out of it. Yeah. And like, this is, this can be really like messy a little bit. So I'm going to break it down really quickly. And I said this already a little bit, but don't overextend yourself. Like I'm not telling you to have 50 new BFFs because it's just not possible to give that much of yourself through pageant week or pageant weekend without completely draining, um, draining yourself. So like really just gravitate the people that it feels natural with and let them like, like let the vibe guide the tribe. So whoever is like a natural fit, let that happen. And don't let the friendship making though be too distracting in the same token. So find a balance that works for you, a little group that makes you feel safe and then happy and you can be silly around, but also stay focused to the task. And I will say one more thing on the topic, if I may. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, this is actually feedback I've gotten from several of our VIP clients who have tried new systems this year. And it was it was hard for me to break into a group because a lot of the people competing had competed together before. So for those listening, next time you're at a pageant, even if you have your tribe, you see someone new, don't be afraid to go make a new conversation or expand your circle. So like that broke my heart a little bit when I heard several people say that. So Make your tribe, stick with them, but be open to expanding. That's great. And I, I want to end on this note too, that you don't know to kind of recap what my mentor Jeff told me. You don't know what you don't know, right? You only know what you do know. So if this is your first yeah. time competing or if you've just com- been competing for a year or so, there's things that's going to happen during pageant week that are just totally off of your radar and you have no way of preparing for it because you don't even know that this kind of situation, this kind of personality, this kind of thing happens. So that's why it's really important to work for um, work with an expert in the industry. And I was going through some of the other responses across our social media this morning, and I noticed that one girl said one of her biggest regrets was not working with a professional sooner mm-hmm. uh, because she thought it would be a waste of money. Um, and she said, now that I am, they've totally helped me. I feel a lot more confident and, um, she's not even working with us. She's working with somebody from our directory actually. And so the thing is like, if you are new, this is the most cost effective way to actually get that kind of coaching, that kind of training, um, like for your next pageant. So Jesse, like with that, like how can they work with you? Cause I know we move things a little bit around with our new website as far as, um, girls being able to sign up to work with you. Um, where can they find that? And, um, and kind of like, what's the price points? Yep. So the first step 
is to create a pageant profile on our new website. Um, so you have to be a contestant. So there's lots of choices when you sign up, fan, retailer, et cetera. So make sure that you have that contestant button selected. That is the first key point. And then from there, um, on your left-hand side, it'll say manage memberships. So go ahead, click that, and it will bring up all of the VIP coaching options. And something that is super, super, super cool is we have incorporated our pageant planet box with all of our memberships now. So not only do you get coaching every single month, you also get pageant related goodies, tools, tricks delivered to your door every single month. So um, the price ranges start at $29 and it goes all the way up to a hundred and forty-eight. Yep, forty-eight. I'm terrible at the math. I always forget. <laughs> um, so 148. So everything, it's like everything from virtual coaching, so all written correspondence to mock interviews virtually, and then of course our white glove service, our one-on-one -on -one coaching each week. So a little bit of everything under the sun. Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Look out for our social media post on Pageant Planet Instagram and Pageant Planet Facebook page, probably on like Thursday or Friday so that we can feature you next.